Hello, today is Monday, September 25th, 2023. I'm Adam Hartog. Joining me via Zoom, as always, is my co-host, Thomas Frey. And this is episode 23 of the Breaksdown podcast, powered by 528 Collectibles. Coming off an exciting week four of college football action, an awesome week three of NFL action. We have an exciting show. We're going to recap all of that. We're going to do awards, and we're going to do our bold predictions of the year, of the week, to cap things off. Uh, All right, let's get this started. Okay, recording this just after 7.15 on Monday night Eastern time. We're doing it via Zoom because I have the Black Plague. You've got the suds as per SpongeBob. I actually do, yeah, and it probably stems from sleeping in a freezing cold cabin at a wedding a couple weeks ago, which was really fun, but that may have been my my biggest error. Definitely your <laughs> biggest mistake. But yeah, we were hanging out Friday, and I got sent home in, in, in a amb- my own ambulance, which is me driving myself. Every hour that you were here, your fever got progressively worse and worse. And I, by the end of it, you were basically delusional, borderline unsafe to send you home. But I also couldn't have you here. And right after you left, I went and Lysoled every ounce of the couch that you were laying on. <laughs> yeah, it, it really comes out when I laugh and my throat closes on me. Yeah, so for the listener, he's not just disgusting sounding. He has the suds. I do, yes. Yeah, suds up. All right, so... Awesome week of college football. We can get right into it for housekeeping. Uh, The biggest game of the weekend was Ohio State, Notre Dame. Number six, Ohio State taking down the number nine Fighting Irish, 17 to 14 in uh, South Bend. The name escaped me for a moment, but road game at Notre Dame. Road win against a top 10 team. This was a boring game at first, but the fourth quarter was super entertaining. Yeah, I uh, was cutting between this game and another game. I think it was, was it Penn State was at the same time? Neither of which were entertaining, which is why I was going back and forth. But Ohio State barely beat Notre Dame. It It felt like neither team was trying to lose, basically. It didn't feel like either team was going out there to win. Yeah. Uh, Chip Trianum scored the winning touchdown as time expired for the Buckeyes. Kyle McCord struggled but showed up when it mattered. He had a crucial fourth down conversion to Julian Fleming, and he connected with Emeka Egbuka on third and 19 for a first down that put them goal to go. Uh, Ryan Day is a wild experience. That fourth down call deep in Notre Dame territory with like two minutes left where it was fourth and inches, and he ran an end around that the guy just ran into a convoy basically of defenders towards the out-of-bounds marker on the right side. That totally should have lost them the game. And then after they pull it out, he calls out Lou Holtz in the post-game interview, which was like Richard Sherman-esque going at, who who was it, Crabtree? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what it was when he ripped his chain off, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was overall a coaching disaster class on both sides. The final two games, Marcus Freeman doesn't realize they have 10 men on the field. Final two plays, sorry. And uh, then he blames the final play on it being too loud in there and unable to convey the message 
to his players that, you know, to draw in a, like an encroachment or an offsides penalty to save so that they can basically get another man on the field. But you know what they say, excuses are like buttholes. Everyone has one and they all stink. You are the head coach of one of the biggest programs in the country. You can't make excuses that it's too loud in there to make a call. You should be completely prepared at all times for all of these scenarios. It's, it's literally your job to be prepared in that situation. If I was a Notre Dame fan, I'd be livid. Also, if you're a fan and you're going to the game, you know you're supposed to make a ton of noise when you're on defense. It benefits mm-hmm. the defensive team. It benefits yeah. the home team if when they're on defense, the crowd is raucous. So mm-hmm. to blame it on that is nonsense. They're doing their job. He's not. Yeah. He says now they'll have some sort of signal to convey someone to draw a flag in that scenario. But it's just like there's a million ways he could have gotten out of that and he just wasn't prepared and that's on him. And like he mentioned, yeah, that he that they didn't want to take the penalty. But even if they do take a flag of any kind in that scenario, it moves them up half a foot. <laughs> You'd think having an extra guy is, is a good, like a big enough trade off. Yeah, having an actual extra D lineman on the field that you're supposed to have is probably worth it to sacrifice six inches. He needs a pros and cons guy. Like some coaches have a clock management guy. Marcus Freeman needs a pros and cons guy. Like, Six inches versus like having enough players to even have a shot at stopping this thing. So was it an opportunity cost? Yes. I think that's, I exactly. think it's the only thing I learned in econ class. Me too. In, in yeah. our senior year of high school econ class. Yeah. That we borderline deserved to fail, but did not. Definitely deserved to fail. Um, new AP poll. The Buckeyes are number four and the Irish are number 11. So, Both teams are still alive for playoff contention, but Ohio State probably has the edge because they are still competing for a conference championship as of now. Speaking of still alive, it was good to see Lou Holtz out there. Hadn't seen him in a while, hadn't thought of him, and I'm just glad to see he's still kicking it, man. Guy's 86 somehow. I thought he was 86 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. And when, uh, Ryan Day called him out, you already know Lou Holtz was very much so asleep. I was going to say dead asleep, but that seems insensitive <laughs> given his age, but very much I so asleep. clarify that he was still alive, still alive, still kicking it. That's all you need to know. Still alive of the week. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, three of Notre Dame's next five games are against number 17 Duke, not in basketball, uh, no, number confirmed eight, football Duke. school. Yep, football school, 100%. Uh, Danny Dimes said that, right? Mm-hmm. Number eight, USC, and then Clemson also. So if they went out, then it's going to be hard to uh, – they're going to have a great resume for playoff contention. Yeah. Also, number 13, Alabama beat number 15, Ole Miss, 24-10. Alabama not dead yet, but also very much not elite Alabama that we're used to. Yeah, my instant reaction to the game was Ole Miss, probably not as good as everyone thought. Alabama, not as bad as everyone thought. But the biggest mismatch overall is uh, Saban over Kiffin. He just owns him. Even at his absolute weakest that Alabama's been in years, Kiffin still can't find a way to win. I think that makes him 0-5 now. Yeah, and you know how bad he wants to. And this was probably the opportunity, or everyone thought it was, because – 
Uh, Alabama was coming off a home loss to uh, to Texas and then a worse showing against South Florida. Saban has an insane record against his assistants. Uh, Producer Rue, you want to try to find that quickly? But I know up until 2021, he hadn't lost to any of his assistants ever. And they all coach like huge programs. And the first one he lost to was Jimbo Fisher. And I bet Alabama live with with a couple of our friends. And then Mm -hmm. they cut to Johnny Manziel unannounced on the sideline, just in attendance as a fan, obviously not suited up. But that moment I knew that we we lost. Uh, I think I found twenty eight. Yeah, I was if I was gonna. I knew the stat. I had it ready. Uh, also, Lane called out Alabama's OC Kevin Steele. He said in an DC. interview, that, DC. Yeah, my bad. Thank you. He said in an interview that they were preparing for the defensive backs or the cornerbacks coach to call plays because they noticed something studying Alabama's film that made them believe that Alabama made a mid-season coach calling, play calling change, which is honestly one of the crazier things I can ever remember a coach saying in an interview in any sport. Like, can you imagine like Tom Thibodeau being like, I don't, we're, we're preparing for not whoever not Darwin Ham on that coaching staff is like to be calling plays because we noticed something like that's just, an insane thing to mention even to even like try like think you figured out but also then to like go public with it just feels like an unnecessary thing to call out like okay sure you prepared for some defensive differences that you thought occurred but why do you have to comment on the dc possibly losing his play calling duties it's just like very strange if you think you noticed something like exploit it as best you can, but very strange. Yeah, it's just like why like why are you trying to like break the news that they may have made a coaching change? Focus yeah, on exactly. your own unit, which by the way, then put up ten points and like the offense is Lane's thing, so it's a bad showing mm-hmm. from him. Yeah, maybe if he had prepared for the regular DC instead of the cornerbacks coach, they would have put up more than ten points. Yeah, probably not though. I mean, you had the stat ready. Yeah, probably not. But, uh, you know, I was making it funny. Yeah, but there's definitely a world where Alabama is still playing for a conference championship. I don't think it's going to happen because they'd have to go like 11 and 1 or 10 and 2 if the SEC West cannibalizes itself. But I'm not going to count them out. Every time, every time the opportunity presents itself for them to be counted out, it doesn't really happen. Um, Mm -hmm. Jackson Dart, very okay. Jalen Milrow back as the starter, definitely outplayed him. And so he'll probably, he'll probably keep the job going forward. Was Jalen Milrow the first or second starter? First. Okay. Hard to keep track. All right. Also number 10, Oregon destroyed number 19, Colorado 42 to six. This was a blowout. Yeah. I watched a, a lot more of this game than I should have. I didn't like how personal it felt. I, I don't like that aspect of it. I, I understand you got to motivate your team and, you know, Coach Prime is who he is. But I, if, you know, the mascot was beating up the prime time, like clock looking thing before the game. And then, you know, they all the, the pregame speech about the clicks versus the wins and all that. It just it felt very targeted and. Like, I understand this. He's kind of burst onto the scene and taken the college football game by storm. But, like, 
it feels the animosity that some people have towards him. Just, I don't like the vibe it gives off. I'm not a fan of it. And I understand Colorado isn't there yet, but the doubters and the haters, like this guy did all of this, all of this improvement from the worst team in college football to now without even having his own recruiting class with just transfers. Like if, if you are genuinely of the belief that he is incapable or incompetent, then you are just a hater and you're blinded by hate. I agree a hundred percent. He has become an extremely divisive figure, not just in college football, in sports. I've been with people that when Colorado has been trailing to Colorado state or Oregon have been like, see, knew it. And, and then you have the other group that's like, now do you believe like these guys are going to win a natty and somewhere in the middle, there has to be a group, no matter how small. And I'd like to think that I'm a part of it that says, Hey, this was the worst team in the country last year. And it has turned over. They've turned over more of their roster in one off season than anyone ever. If they even reach bowl eligibility, it'll be an unbelievably impressive turnaround and a sign of super promising things to come. And if you had told them a year ago, uh, week week four last season, that by 2024, they'd be hoping to compete for the conference, they would have no idea how that's possible. And if they just make bowl eligibility this year with seven, six wins or seven wins, that's an awesome season. I think it's the non-believers and the true believers. I think they both have it wrong. Clearly, this team is not title bound but this current roster but they very well could get there and he's showing evidence of reasons to believe what about the believers they've been proven right beavers had more staying power than i ever thought he would his music slaps but college college foot uh college football coaches are the kings of inventing adversity in the sense that i mean last year after the natty after they won their second consecutive national championship, the first thing the Georgia players were talking about in their interviews was how nobody believed in them. So every coach that plays Colorado is going to use the clickbait versus wins thing that you said Lanning used to try to motivate their teams. I understand it from that perspective. It's just, and like I get needing to motivate your guys, like all the greats, Ever You hear uh, Tom Brady was recently talking about how he, whatever edge he could give him, why he hates that guy, the look he gave, yada, yada, yada. Michael Jordan just decided there was this one player, I think, on the Magic that he just couldn't stand. Like, he'd make up fake storylines. Like, I get that. I do. And I understand it's crucial to motivate your guys and give yourself the extra edge. It just, in general, all of that paired with the divisive nature of Dion and the media circus that follows it it's it feels very targeted and i just i just don't like how it feels because it's the it's the cockiness yeah when yeah, it, when yeah. you're cocky and it goes well you can walk around like the king of the world and sit on a throne at halftime but when it doesn't you're gonna have a lot of people waiting for you to fail but i don't think he's necessarily cocky it doesn't, that's the thing is it's being posed as this cocky arrogance, whereas I think it's just genuine confidence in himself and in everything he's doing. 
it I agree with you. Like he does everything he everything he does in life he does with conviction. Like, you know, and it's being portrayed as this arrogance like oh this guy thinks he's this, he's that, he's whatever, but having self-belief shouldn't be portrayed in this way. I bet you Nick Saban believes every game he's going to go into that he's going to win. Yeah, I mean, you're the you have you have more of a psych background than I do, but I I would have to think part of it is just people that that level of self-belief and self-confidence is so unimaginable for so many people, myself included, that it's it's got to be some jealousy in there. It's absolute it's a ton of jealousy in there. I think that's what it is. I think a lot of it is rooted in jealousy. See, you just got to step back and enjoy one of the biggest turnarounds in college football, even if it's, I don't know, it's just like, it's its literally the thief of joy, they say. And like, if you're if you're not able to enjoy Colorado Buffalo's football in 2023, like, you need to take a step back and sit on the couch next to a mad dog and pop a gummy. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's... It is good for college football. I've been more invested in college football this year than in many, many years, and a lot of that is because of Coach Prime in Colorado. Uh, also, speaking of Coach Prime, his alma mater, number floor, number floor, number four, Florida State survives <laughs> Clemson. It is survives Clemson thirty-one twenty-four in overtime. Your uh, award was very nearly correct about Florida State Clemsoning on the biggest stage to Clemson. I yep. put up the the clip on our Instagram story just just in case because Clemson had the lead and I wanted it to be up there first just in case you were right. I needed everyone to know, but I didn't put it up as a post just in case you were wrong. And I think it played out as as well as it could have. Um the my biggest takeaway from this was that that missed field goal really sucked because that was a 29 yarder that I legitimately think I could have made. I'm pretty confident you could have. I don't think I could have. No, yeah. Well, I have a, I, I have the soccer background, but I I have made a 40 yard field goal before, not in pads and obviously not against FSU, but I have done it and against an ACC so, team. No, it against I haven't done it against any college football program, but I have done it and you know, we take our victories and I think I could have made that. But it just sucked cuz Clemson Does this count as Clemson Clemsoning missing that field goal? No, I don't think so because they were the underdog. It has to be like an unnecessary loss that derails the se- like the like what the team could achieve that season. So in the past, it would be like, look, Clemson six. Like if they went out, maybe there's a way they could sneak into like this was before they got really good. So like the BCS poll when it was just one and two in the natty, mm. and then they would lose to like Wake Forest or someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you follow along with the storyline of that kicker? It kind of seems I thought it was up your alley. I was reading your notes on it, but I, uh, I didn't. I wasn't keeping up on it prior to that missed field goal. So the they've had kicking problems all year. The guy that was the kicker, number 41 for them this game, had been on the team for the past four years as the backup kicker, had only attempted like two kicks, uh, basically retired from football, was still enrolled online as a grad student, 
at Clemson, was in his hometown of, of Charleston, South Carolina, uh, preparing to start a job in finance in New York. Uh, in weeks, he had an, has an apartment lease, and Dabo's sons were like, hey, this guy's still enrolled here. Like, if we need, like, really need a new kicker, like, we'd give him a call. So they did. He told his boss that he was going to go play football again, and his boss was at the game. So that was a cool story. It seems up your alley. He made the first kick, his first field It goal. is a cool story, but missing the the biggest kick of your life with your boss watching makes it definitely worse. Family and boss. Yeah, that sucks. I feel for the guy. That sucks. Pretty I cool. Do. It's a cool story, but it does suck. It is a cool story, but the announcers would not stop talking about it. And it got it it did get on my nerves. I'm not going to pretend like part of me wasn't like, "All right, this miss is for the announcers for shoving this down my throat." Yeah, I mean, announcers for sure belabor a, a lot of points. I mean, you saw in the the Chiefs game, I saw Taylor Swift more than I saw the Bears. That's true, but the Chiefs game was and we'll get to it later was non-competitive from the time I woke yes, up. Yes, yes, yes. So they need to they need stuff to talk about, but it this was, was an it, overtime it, it, game. Yeah, the fourth yeah, yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's not apples to oranges, but it it felt like a topical example. Yeah. Um the big thing for Florida State is that they got through September unscathed with wins over number 5 LSU and Clemson on the road. Uh, it snaps a seven-game losing streak against Clemson. Their last win was in 2014. Uh, Clemson has won seven of the last ACC championships and two national championships since then. So it's it's a huge win for Florida State. Definitely. I just, it's their, while it is their uh, conference to lose, I just, their ceiling doesn't seem that high given all of these close wins. Narrow misses, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. They they need to start. Um, they need to put together like a statement win, and they're definitely through the hardest part of their schedule. So maybe the time is now for them to do that. Uh, their transfers continue to make an impact. Keon Coleman caught the winning touchdown in overtime. I don't know how many losses like this it's going to take for Dabo to realize that he's falling behind by not adapting to the new transfer portal era. But I agree with you that it's it's the Seminoles conference to lose now. They've seized back control of the Atlantic Coast Conference, soon to feature Cal and Stanford. Yeah. While uh, which is ridiculous. While like Dabo has refused to adapt, I do think them playing Florida State so tough in this game was a little bit of a glimmer of hope, I guess. Even just for me. It gave me some semblance of belief that they could return to their former glory sooner rather than later. Obviously, some adaptation is required to reach that point, but it just it they felt more a lot more competitive in this than they had all year. So. I agree with that. There, there are a couple pieces away, but that, that's how they're going to need to fill them. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not sure what I think of Cade Klubnik. At times, Saturday he looked awesome, and then at times, like when he didn't see an oncoming defensive back blitzing him from 15 yards away and then steamrolled him for a fumble six. It's a little concerning. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I, he's still pretty young. What is he, like 19, 20 years old? I think 19. I guess the hope is that he can work through some of those warts, but if you're that inconsistent 
and he continues to be inconsistent. He won't have time to figure it out. Yeah. New era in the ACC, though. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Number seven, Penn State blanked. Number 31, sorry, 21, 24, Iowa, 31 to nothing in the whiteout game. In terms of sports atmospheres, the whiteout is is as good as it gets. Yeah, it is. I uh, every person that has gone to Penn State is a little bit insufferable in their fandom, and that you know kind of makes me not root for them. And like something cool like the whiteout then annoys me because of the fans. You know what I mean? No, I, I mean, I was, I was, gonna, I was gonna say no offense to Penn State fans, but no, like I, I I'm not, I'm saying it offensively. Like m- all the fans that I've met have been annoying. If you're not that, that's cool. So I'll need someone to prove to me that there's other types of fans, but I'm yet to see it. So yeah, the whiteout seems cool, but for me, it's just like whatever. I'm kind of bothered by it. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, my biggest, my biggest takeaway is Penn State is really, really good. Um, Michigan and OSU are the highest ranked big 10 teams at the moment, but it's very much a three horse race for the big 10 East Penn state visits Ohio state in week eight. They host Michigan and happy Valley in week 11. And then week 13 is the game at the big house between Ohio state and Michigan. But Drew Aller could be the best quarterback in the conference and they have one of the best offensive lines of the nation. So they're going to be around for the fight till the end. I'm sure again, offensive line, cheat code more teams should focus on it yeah what was i gonna say okay if penn state ohio state and michigan are all horses what are their sizes and colors in this race are they like dark horses who's the dark horse who's the big horse the stallion the clydesdale give me give me some details so this is where dark horse comes from. I, I'm just learning. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't intend for it to get there when I when I started the sentence. But then once I started getting into horse descriptors, yeah, that's how I guess. I also just figured that out. <laughs> this is this is a big moment. Actually, I feel we need to stop to, to acknowledge this. Yeah, this is a something new learned of the episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. Penn State is definitely the dark horse. Yes. I'm inclined to say the Clydesdales are Ohio State because of the red. Mm -hmm. And because aren't they the, isn't Buckeye something to do with horses? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the stadium is called the Horseshoe. I know that. What's what's Penn State's mascot? Nittany Lions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And what's Michigan's? Wolverines. You knew that. I did know that. I don't know if I knew that. You had to. I knew that. I knew that, but I don't remember was a was a Wolverine. No, no, I knew that. I I've I guess I just never internalized what that meant. Was Wolverine a thing before the what is a Wolverine like an actual thing? It's a real animal, yeah. Look it up. It's it's like a weirdly Yeah. It's I guess I've just the area. The only time Oh my god, you're right. It's a it's a muscular carnivore is what Wikipedia describes it as. Claws I, honestly, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, let me see. This this picture makes them kind of just look like like otters. They're like violent otter. Uh, oh yeah, they look like they look like really mean otter raccoons. I, I, I guess I just raccoon. I I never thought of I never thought of Wolverine like outside of the superhero. 
So I just, yeah, I, I, I never made the connection in my head. You never knew why every time you watch Michigan football, you were flooded with thoughts of Hugh Jackman. I just, he's just kind of, I'm kind of always flooded with Hugh Jackman thoughts. So (laughs) it never, never caused any, anything different in my head. Fair enough. (laughs) Sorry to totally derail us. Let's uh, back on topic. Uh, Yeah. Iowa. It's, it's not fun watching Iowa and then watching the bears the next day. Yeah. That's not good. That's just, I'm not an Iowa fan, but yeah. Iowa is tight end you, right? They are, yeah. Iowa State. No, it's Iowa. Uh, Kittle, okay. Hawkinson, Noah Fant, uh, Pat Fryer, Muth, I think. No, he went to Penn State. I don't where'd he go? Producer Rue? The Penn Muth? State. Yeah, okay. Muth went to Penn State. Okay. Do I have anyone cool now? Mm, Obviously no. not. Otherwise, they may have put up any semblance of a fight on offense. Okay, I actually... I have a I have a piece of information that may actually change the way you you view football forever. They have a white cornerback that is projected to be a first round pick. You I think have pointed this out to me before because we a constant discussion in our group chat has been the lack of white cornerbacks and every time and there's Jason's just like any more. yes He's he's played a prominent role in my life, but the fact that there's a big return coming is exciting. Yeah, what's his name? Cooper DeGene. His name just had to be Cooper, didn't it? It it had to be Cooper, yeah. And he looks exactly how you expect a Cooper to look. Is there any similarity to Cooper Cup? Mm, probably personalities match a hundred percent. If I had to guess, is he blonde? He produce a real picture. Is he, is, if he's not blonde, okay, yeah, he is blonde. You get this guy a thick beard, and in 10 years, he'll look exactly like Cooper Cup. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, also, number eight, Washington, Molly Wopped Cal, 59 to 32. And I am not certain that Washington is not just going to 2019 LSU this thing. Um, Michael Penix, 304 and four touchdowns this game. On the season, that brings him to 1,636 yards and 16 touchdowns. The Huskies are on a four-game streak where they have at least 200-plus yard receivers. That's insane. Four games. Yeah, yeah that's, in, that's insane. Spreading the wealth around, too. Good for him. Yeah, they three had three last, last games. Game. Yeah. Yeah, that's Jinx. nuts. My question is, I don't know anything about Cal football. Are they any good this year? Terrible. Okay, so is them putting up 32 points indicative of uh, Washington's defense in any way? I think it's more indicative of this was just like a track meet from from the time it kicked off and weird stuff was happening. They they went up 14 nothing Washington before their offense even stepped on the field because of a like a kick return touchdown and a pick six. So mm-hmm. just I, I think it it just got so out of hand early that they probably had the backups in at some point too. I, I the second half was kind of a blur because it kicked off at ten thirty here, so I was in and out. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I have two main points from this. Yep. One, I'm all I have to now. He is now Penix in my head. He's not he's not Penix. I never can go back. Even if he Did wants I me to, Penix I can never go back. Now? Yes, you said Penix. All right, I I change that to Penix because I think it is Penix. Yes, I can't go back to Penix. Two, 
Now Phoenix's name has so there's so much Phoenix real estate in my head, in my brain, that I might just need to be a U Dub supporter this year. I might just need to be all in on his career. All like throughout the day, all you have in your head is just Phoenix, 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 Phoenix. <laughs> yes, yes. And sometimes there's penis mixing in, and I'm like, get out of here. This isn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> um if you if you are a u-dub supporter you should go sailgating it's one of my favorite traditions in in the country the stadium is on the water so people just pull their boats up to it for the game i mean that sounds like an absolute blast but the process for me to go sailgating is probably like an absurdly difficult task you'd have to fly out you'd have to fly to seattle probably probably within the next like three weeks yeah, and it's probably pretty cold in Seattle now, no? I don't know about now. I was I was giving like mid-October as the benchmark for when you probably don't want to be on the water. I, th- I think I've already missed my window for this. I think I've already missed my window. And, and also, I would need to not only fly to Seattle, I would need to, it would have to be a home game. And it would ha- I'd have to figure out a way to get a boat. I don't have a boating license, so that's another you don't hurdle. Need oh, you might need Why one. Why don't you need one? I don't need one. Don't you have one? I have one, but I don't need one. The cutoff is 96, but I needed one when I was like like nine and uh, when I was taking the boat oh. out. Well, yeah, so I, I, I'm 97, so I do need one, which, by the way, we didn't mention it. Ad will be officially a year older than me tomorrow. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, us being the same months. age. Yeah, I know, but we're the same age right now. Then that gets taken yeah. away and four hours which is which is good. one month though it's, we have one one month a year where we're the same age yeah where we're equals yeah. now you're back <laughs> to my superior <laughs> and Noreen's birthday is the day this episode comes out i can't do math no Noreen's birthday is saturday, saturday saturday i think okay yeah you're right so it's a few days a few days after and <laughs> between the time this comes out and the next time we record next so. record yeah hmm. i have no idea what we're talking about we just finished up with washington i don't oh, think yes. there's much else no, no no uh sailgating what was i gonna say damn yeah okay so every every season before every college football season i plan a hypothetical like road trip if i were to go like to a different game every saturday the, like the route i would probably try to do and the games i would go to more often than not, it starts with sailgating because it's not something I could do in like December or like November. In your mind, how long is this trip? It's about it's about four months. Oh, okay. That is not at all what I in you know, all right. Well, okay, no, it's I, not. It's not because it's like the last week of August until basically the week before Thanksgiving. That's still far too long. You make it condense it down to like a weekend and you got a deal. No, I'm not saying to drag you on. This is just something I do for my own like enjoyment every season. I come up with like if I were to do a road trip, like these are the stops that I would hit. But I I, I get point, it. Yeah, all right. I at some point at some point maybe next season we'll do one of those like New Orleans on a Thursday and then I don't know, Texas on a Saturday for the first weekend kind of things. Yeah, that's I was going to say. If you 
like for your bachelor party or something, that would be the best way to get that to happen. Not that you're getting married anytime soon. I was just thinking of like a way you could force us to do something. Yeah, well, I don't... I take it back. I don't want you getting married ever, and I'm not coming on your bachelor party now. (laughs) (laughs) Um... All right, well, too bad it's going to be at Frank Nielakina's house. How dare you? Leave <laughs> the French prince out of this. Um, okay, but no, I do have I have a guarantee. Washington okay. is the most fun team in the country, and if you stay up to watch them in the, the East Coast really late slate, you will be satisfied. That's a personal, that's a podcast guarantee. They are electric. Okay, you heard it here first. Yep. Uh, some other games that I don't really want to talk a ton about, but we can mention Georgia, Michigan, and Texas. One, two, three in the country all cruised. USC struggled with Arizona State, and they dropped from five to eight in the AP poll. Utah beat number 22, UCLA, 14 to seven to remain undefeated. I don't know if you have anything on this game. Yeah, the, the Utes playing without Cam Rising and – their you know replacement quarterback isn't exactly a stud but they still keep finding ways to win when cam rising comes back they could be super interesting a little dak romo action Mm -hmm. Uh, lsu number 12 survived arkansas 34 31 in baton rouge washington state beat oregon state this was the pac-12 championship because they're the only schools that are left in it as of next year so congrats to the cougars Oklahoma struggled with Cincy, but won 20-6 to to reach 4-0 on the season. Uh, a little bit of a bummer that Washington State beat Oregon State. I'm still quietly a DJ Uyunglele stan, so nice. I, ke- I actually am keeping tabs on them. I genuinely am. You nailed the name. Oh, I know. I'm all about. I was all about it. I I saw like one game this freshman year, and he he looked electric, and then he never did it again. And I'm just waiting for him to recapture that. It's like me waiting for every first round pick in every sport to be good eventually. Yeah, well, if we're putting a if we're putting a dark spin on it, yeah. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma also they play Iowa State next week with a chance to set up a matchup of undefeateds in two weeks when they play Texas in the Red River shootout. So that could be a cool game. They'll probably get spanked, though. They're not that good. I like the parody in college football this year. I think the fact that there's not one clear-cut Alabama, LSU, Georgia team that's like the best in the country and is not even close otherwise, I think this is the best formula for college football because it makes them. there's so many big games every week as opposed to just waiting for the playoff. Now, I, yeah. I think this is the the best version of college football I've experienced, like that I've been engaged in, in a while. Yeah, it's super entertaining. Every week, like you said, there's big games. The Pac-12 is stacked. The depth countrywide is crazy. Like I was looking at Oregon's schedule because they just whooped Colorado. So you're like, all right, huge game out of the way. They have five more ranked conference games left on their schedule. It's crazy. We have awesome football every Saturday from here on out. It's exciting for I'm like an, I'm not a huge college football guy like you are, and it's it's keeping me engaged more than ever before. You'll become one, I think. Only time will tell. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else on college ball? No, I'm ready to move on to the meat. Okay, on to the meat NFL talk. Um, like last week, we're gonna do storyline. 
uh, surprise, disappointment, and games that we're looking forward to next weekend. Do you want to start? Sure, I'll start. My storyline is about the Dolphins. Obviously, we all saw the the beating that they put on the Broncos. They put up 70 points. I think this is not so much a storyline. It's partially storyline, partially opinion piece. I think they should have kicked the field goal and gotten 73 points. I think they didn't do it out of respect for the opponent. You already just put up 70 points. Respect for the opponent. You destroyed them. You took their soul. Now you kick the damn field goal. You're on their 27-yard line. You you could have tied the all-time scoring record from like 60, 70 years ago, and and you didn't do it. And you could have beaten the uh, the regular season scoring record. They already set the uh, single-season record for total yards in a game. They had more yards in this game than the Jets do all season. Oh, my Mike God. White, Mike White threw two passes, and he outscored Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, and Ryan Tannehill in fantasy this week. <laughs> so you kick the damn field goal, all right? You just embarrass them. Like, what are we What are we doing here? There's no moral victories when you put up 70 points in a game. You you set the record. You know, I'm, I'm very close to disagreeing with you, but you know why I agree with you unequivocally? Because Sean Payton's a, a meanie. Well, there's – okay, so there's two reasons now. One of them <laughs> is the meanie version, but the other is that – um, a, most of the damage was done with crazy long runs, and you're going to run the ball even if you're not trying to run up the score. But when you start let, letting Mike White air it out, disrespect or respect is out the window. And a team that lets Mike White do that to them in that situation does not even deserve respect in the first place. That's what I'm Me saying. It's like that's what I'm saying. You, it's all it's. It's past the point of respect and like the coaching fraternity. Like you just put up seven, a seventy burger on this guy's head. He came out of retirement for this, and you just put up seventy points on him. You kick the freaking field goal. You're on the. It's not like they're driving down the field. Like you're already on the twenty-seven yard line. Just kick the field goal. You know, like you're not gonna tell me that Mike McDaniel. No one told him that the NFL record was within reach. You put yourself in the record book. Well, okay, so Mike McDaniel, his last coaching job was in the Bay Area. And if anybody in the NFL has experience with a team in the Bay Area, a record, and the number 73, and it not leading to an eventual eventual championship, which was the goal, it's probably Mike McDaniel. I don't even I don't I don't catch the reference. The Warriors. Oh, 73 wins. Nice, 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 nice. That's good. So do you think if the Warriors don't win that, don't push for that record, the Dolphins kick the field goal? No. They still don't. I don't even know. I still think they don't. I still think they don't. I don't think he's marred by history here. I think I think he was trying to be a good guy after being a bad guy all game. I think he kicks the field goal. Okay. that's That's fair. That's that's fair, but the team that Someone's scored seventy. Sorry, I was going to say the team that scored seventy three points in a, in the game was your Chicago Bears. Well, and they won seventy three to nothing against. I think it might have been the Giants. I think you're right. Actually, I, I asked that. <laughs> I'm not even sure, but now it kind of triggered me hearing that. 
I think I saw that the other two games, I, I could be a little off, but I think it was the 72 score game and the 73 score game. I think they might have both been on the Giants. Same season? I don't think so, because one was in the, I think, the NFC Championship game. So I can't imagine. Bears beat Washington in the NFL Championship game. Okay, so maybe the other one was against the Giants. I think it might have been Washington on the Giants. I think that's what it was. Tough week for the NFC East. (laughs) Yeah, not great. (laughs) Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Uh, All right, my storyline from week three is the Minnesota Vikings come down is real and it's harsh. They are 0-3 in one-score games in 2023. They were 11-1 in one-score games in 2022. Something that we have a large enough sample size to know is that outlier records in one-score games in the NFL do not carry over from year to year. The term regression was thrown around a lot last year because of the Vikings' crazy record. What is regression exactly? It's the principle that luck will even out. It does not mean that they're going to go 0-11 in one-score games this season. It just means that last season the luck was on their side, and this applies to any team that has a good record in one-score games. It was on their side in many occasions last season, and that they are just as likely to win one-score games. Sorry, the odds that they're going to win a one-score game is just as high as it has always been but that this year the circumstances are not in their favor this year. But we all saw the comeback down to earth happening. Maybe not this fast, but it happens. We know it happens. We expected it to happen. I think we all knew they were due for some regression. Now it almost feels like they're due for some positive regression the other way. You know, it, yeah. it's unfortunate. I, I don't think they're a bad team, and I, I still think Kirk's a very good quarterback. Now there's a lot of chatter about, potentially them trading Kirk because his contract is up and maybe the Jets could trade for him and give something up for him. But I don't want that to happen. I I like him too much to see him on the Jets. So I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they can turn it around and, you know, make the playoffs. I think that's their ceiling. I'm not going to make a run or anything. But yeah, they they weren't as good as their record last year, but I don't think they're as bad as the record this year. I agree. They're they're just as... It's just as unlikely that they go 0-3 in one-score games as it is likely that they go 3-0 and in one-score games. Yeah, I And I, I also don't – I think they like Kirk. I don't think they're going to trade him. It's just because his contract is up at the end of the year and they haven't extended him yet, which, I mean, I don't want to say it speaks volumes, but it does speak some level of volume. Where there's smoke? Mm-hmm. One of the all-time fan-favorite awards is the Where There's Smoke Award. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That was – that was Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, Good memory. Right. Do you want to do surprises? Uh, is it surprises or disappointment first? I think surprise. Okay. Yeah, I'll do surprises. I think this one is an obvious one, but it is the the Cardinals upsetting the Cowboys. But this is less about the Cowboys and more about the Cardinals. They've been like extremely competitive in every game they've played so far. They are the strangest, like bad team in recent memory, like they were supposed to be the worst team in football, like handedly very easily the worst team in football. And they probably should have beat the giants. I don't remember who they played week one, but now they beat who Washington, uh, the Cowboys who Washington. Now they beat the Cowboys who a lot of people were saying were the best team in football after they beat up on the two New York teams so bad. So 
I know the Cowboys had a lot of injuries, and that's fine and good, but if you're going to be considered with the league's elite, you can't do this. You cannot lose this game regardless of who you're missing. I think they were one and one and one for five in the red zone and Dak threw a very crucial pick at the end, which lost them the game. It's, it's just the Cowboys being the Cowboys. I shouldn't be surprised that they did this, but I'm surprised the Cardinals did this. Yeah. Cowboys had uh, four second half drives, all made it to the red zone. They all, the Cardinals only surrendered six points off that. The Cardinals averaged 7.4 yards a carry which is crazy. New coach in Gannon. Their preseason win total was the lowest in the league. It was three and a half. And yeah, like you said, they knocked off a Super Bowl favorite based on Vegas odds. They've been competitive in every single game they've played, and they they don't look like a team that's going to tank this year or even like remotely considering that. They have the Texans pick, so them winning and the Texans winning is huge for the Bears who have the Panthers pick and their own pick. So I'm pumped about that, and I hope the Cardinals are good because it's better for Bears' draft position. Hmm. I I did not consider it from that angle. I will say about Gannon, though, the a lot of the narrative around him coming into the year, it felt very Dan Campbell-esque, where people were like making fun of him. I think in his you know in his press conference, he said made like a fire in the belly kind of comment that people thought would be corny. But it seems like that whole team is buying into it in the way that the Lions did. And it's it seems like we have to this could be a metaphor for life to not judge a book by its cover. It's now this is multiple times now where coaches have been made fun of or, you know, memed immediately and like, you know, basically predestined to be a failure. And then they come out and their whole team buys into everything that they're about. And I just think that there's a little bit too much prejudgment going on. I agree. And based off the results, he looks like a good coach. Yeah, it very much so does. Uh, my surprise from week three is CJ Stroud is awesome. Awesome. Like awesome. Mm-hmm. He's the first quarterback ever to have 900 plus passing yards, four touchdowns and no picks through his first three games, only Justin Herbert and Cam Newton have also passed for 900 plus in their first three starts. Herbert threw for 931. Cam Newton passed for 1,012 yards. And he set, excuse me, Stroud has set the record for most pass attempts without an interception for a rookie. So analytically, he's, or statistically, he's killing it. And eye test, he's just awesome too. I saw one throw where, He dropped back in the pocket. The rush was it kind of in his face, so he quickly shuffled to the side a little bit, flipped his hips, and fired a missile to a deep out. That's a throw that rookies don't make that kind of throw on teams that are supposed to be pretty bad and missing almost their entire offensive line. So I've been thoroughly impressed. I feel like they probably got the best quarterback in the draft based off what I've seen so far. And that is why, what award did he win? I don't remember. He won an award last week for me, but I know for a fact it was a good one. But let me see if I can pull it up quick. The Chet Holmgren Award. Yep, you're right. For could be the best player in the draft class. And I've honestly been high on Stroud since we did our secret unaired 
draft episode. Everything that I read and saw on him in in our little scouting exercise that we did basically is what it is at this point. Everything I saw led me to believe that this guy was going to be awesome. And he was the victim of, you know, the yearly draft cycle killing that one prospect always seems to take. And because like he's not he doesn't have elite mobility or elite creativity, but he has everything else you'd want in a quarterback. And he's doing all of this, like you said, without any of his O-line pretty much. So the run game's essentially non-existent. Damian Pierce has been a huge letdown because of that fact. And his his top weapon is a rookie as well. So in Tank Dell. So it's it's super impressive. I'm with you. I, I've been all aboard the the Stroud train from very early on. Yeah, I like their receivers. Tank Dell looks like a bona fide NFL receiver. Nico Collins has been super fun this year. Uh, Will Anderson's been been wrecking games at times. And I'm pretty confident that if you put a good team around CJ Stroud, you're going to have a lot of success with him at the NFL level. Do you know what Tank Dell's measurables are? No. Do do, do you have any idea? Could you venture a guess or is it not even worth? 6'2", 220. 5'8", Not even close. Seven no, inches. not even close. Insanely it's, small, though. 165 pounds is insanely small. It is, five yeah. 5'8". I have no been idea. he balling out. Like, yeah. You can't name someone tank and expect me to actually notice if they're tiny and not just assume they're huge. Oh, that's why I asked. Yeah. I didn't know if you would, I didn't know if you would even throw out a guess if you didn't know, but I appreciate that you tried. No problem. You made me. I didn't make you. I said, I said, do you know, or do you want me to just tell you? All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> On to the disappointment. Yep. Do you want to start? Yep. I will go. My disappointment is the same as it was last week. My disappointment is the Los Angeles Chargers. This week, however, they're my disappointment because they found a way to win. And they did so in spite of Brandon Staley's best efforts. And like I've said, they are an unserious team until they fire Staley. Their defensive mastermind head coach is they're getting lit up on defense. Justin Herbert's doing everything he can. I think the stat was he had the highest completion percentage of any quarterback that's ever like thrown more than 45 passes in a game. And they still almost lost. And that's coming with Keenan Allen also chipping in a passing touchdown. So it's just like, this guy has got to go and the Chargers have so much talent and they're wasting it. And I just, I cannot, I cannot stand idly by and not say something about this again, coaching disaster class. It's malpractice. Yes, it is. In any other field, you would have been stripped of your license and be at, you know, panhandling. And there's there's like a narrative out there that, oh, they won the game, can't fire him yet. But it, like in what other industry is somebody this obviously like out of out of their depth and a problem is going to happen because of it, even if it hasn't yet. And you're just waiting along for that to happen without doing anything. Like, is it crazy to fire a coach off a win when they're one and two? Maybe, but like you, it shouldn't be. That's just looking at the record. That's not like watching the game to think that it's unjustified. Yeah. I mean, look, we saw Nathaniel Hackett get the ride out last year somehow, and then be rewarded with a a new position this off season. So uh, I don't know. The NFL is very weird with how they pick and choose who can and cannot be fired. True. 
Well, Nate Hackett is just got a job. It's the second job in a row he got because he knew Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I got to meet Aaron Rodgers. Then I can start getting some good jobs. Or Sean McVay. Or Sean McVay. That's true. I just need to be a part of his tree. Doesn't need to be yeah. the coaching tree. Just any tree. If if I I could I could hang on, you know, go build a tree house in, a, in his backyard, and then I'll get hired immediately. Immediately, yeah. Yeah, right after I step down. All right, my disappointment of the week: the Chicago football. Bears. Oh, I can't add. I can't see that. It's a Gale Sayers jersey signed. It's that's it's awesome, but it's basically fully. Horrors, I don't even know what word, perpendicular to me. All right, fair enough. Where do I start? Three playoff wins in 20 years. One winning season in a decade. They lost 41-10 to the Chiefs, and it wasn't that close at any point. They play the Broncos next week, and they opened as a two-and-a-half-point underdog to a team that just let up 70 points. The D.C. got, the D.C. resigned midweek. Nobody knows what happened. There's... Reports that his house was raided by the FBI, not confirmed yet, but the team has not said anything about it other than they're talking about it inside. Uh, Justin Fields called out the coaching in an interview last week, and then it nothing changed. $100,000 of lawn equipment was stolen from the stadium on Wednesday night. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, That's funny. So this is, this is the worst team in football. Um, I I know from experience as a Bears fan that there's no rock bottom. So we're kind of holding on for dear life at this point. There's a good chance that n- nobody on the roster is the starting quarterback by the end of the year. Wouldn't shock me if their <clears throat> new super expensive middle linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds, pulls a Julius Randle because he was already putting in no effort in the Chiefs game and then left with a mystery something halfway through. I don't really know what else to say because I have no hopes for this team anymore. So it's not even like I'm mad. I just I just really wish the season was over and I knew what draft picks they had because then I I just want like some reason to have hope and there is none for the Bears right now. All of the optimism and thought uh, that they might get better and be able to at least move the ball against a team like this, gone. No reason to be optimistic about this season anymore, even in garbage time. You know how many passing yards Justin Fields had in a game that he played all of when they were down seven-plus scores? I think it was like 110. 99. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You can't even do garbage time. I understand, man. My he's my he's In my big money league, he's my quarterback. I get it. I am, I'm obviously not as upset as you, but I am not thrilled. <laughs> it's just, they're the worst team in football. They're going to have the first pick probably. I'm. It's just like, it's not fair. I don't understand why they have to be so bad forever. Like the ownership isn't even that involved, but it carries over from regime to regime. And this is the first time in a long time that they hired a new president I don't know if that's going to do anything, but it seems like he's mostly there to just build a new stadium anyway. I mean, dude, I dealt with the Knicks being bad for 20 years. Yeah. It happens. The Knicks it, haven't it been... It should be harder in football to be that bad for that long. You would think, yeah. I mean, 20 years is a long time, Ed. 
I mean, dude, they don't even have, they've never had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards in a season. They're the only franchise that's like that. But yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they can't figure out the one position that's the most important in football. But even if they had a good quarterback, this team stinks. They wouldn't have stood a chance on, on Sunday, no matter who they had. Well, I think there's questions to be asked about their coaching staff. Matt Eberflus is three and seventeen in his first twenty games. It's yeah, I don't think he's. Ever. I don't think he's given any reason. I mean, we talked about it all last week. The guy is not doing anything to put his players in a position to succeed, especially as quarterback. So it's that's it is what it is. If you're not going to cater your team and your offense and your schemes around the most important player on your team, then what are you doing? Yeah, and they've invested so much on the defensive side draft picks and mon- and monetarily they have the 32nd ranked defense in the league it seems like the coaching staff has no idea what they're doing and no 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 ideas to improve this going on like in halfway through year 2 now i don't even i don't think they can be trusted based on what they've shown with with bringing in a new quarterback and some new key players at at important positions like that so it's another season lost before we even reach the end of September. Yeah, I think they, the front office will likely clean house in terms of the whole coaching staff bringing a new regime prior to the draft process so that they can bring in who their guy is and hopefully they can write the ship and maybe they can, maybe they can get some sort of asset for fields, whether that's a fourth, fifth rounder or something like that. I mean, there's got to be some hope that some team can do something with him. I, I mean, he's shown exceptional talent as a runner, and who knows if you put him in a scheme that fits his his talents, maybe he could figure it out. But right now, it's it's just horrible all around. Yeah, and he's not even running anymore. So no, it's, it's, no, they took his one greatest strength and nerfed it. It's uh, it's a season of disappointments for the Bears already, and it will continue to be one. So. Expect a joyful me from now on. Mm. Before we move on to the next week's matchup, I wanted to say, I didn't mention this in my Dolphins talking point. We talked about Devon A-Chain's name. He now, yes, it's A-Chan. I don't like it. No, A-Chain's way cooler. Infinitely cooler, yeah. I spent like two weeks correcting everybody that, that was breaking at the store. So now I'm an asshole. Well, they were they were not even close. They were not even close to right though. No, that's true. A caney. Yeah, they were like Devin a caney. So it's just yeah. You saved him from sounding super stupid. Duper stupid. Yeah, just well, no, I, I think duper is superior to super because you're saying super duper. You're very right. Yeah, you know, I'm a wordsmith. I've been called a time or two. The songbird of What's your generation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a combination of Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to next week's matchup that we're looking forward to, right? Sweet. You want to go first? Yeah, I got it. I got two this week. First nice. is Ravens at Browns. It's a divisional matchup. Is that one of yours? It was, but that was my backup one that I didn't think okay. you would steal. Okay, Not yes, steal, that's one of them. I didn't think you would share. Yes, divisional matchup, two two and one teams with playoff aspirations. The Browns' defense has legitimate claim to being the best defense in the league. Deshaun's coming off his probably his best game as a Brown, and the Ravens are coming off a tough loss to an inferior Colts team that you predicted that 
that would happen. I'm not sure that this will be an entertaining game. It could be a bit of a defensive slog just because I feel like every time there's a divisional matchup in that division, it's it's a bit of a a dogfight, for lack of a better term. And But it's a very fun matchup. It's a very good litmus test for both teams. The new Ravens OC, we'll see how his new scheme matches up against the Browns' prolific defense. Your early pick for Defense Player of the Year, Miles Garrett's coming off a huge game. It's uh, I think it'll be a good one. I'm super pumped for this one. This is one of mine, too, because these defenses are nasty. I love mm-hmm. watching them play. This is going to be a dogfight. There was a moment during the Ravens game against the the Colts where somebody on the uh, uh, player, defensive player on the Ravens uh, chased somebody on the Colts down. And I was like, holy Moses, who is that a Mount Olympus-sized defensive back wearing number 24? Turns out it was Jadevian Clowney, so that confused me. It's this is going to be a fun matchup to watch. Divi- AFC North games like this go nuclear. Mm-hmm. Said everything I said, so I uh, I'm with you. <laughs> um, all right, so my matchup to look for next week, I have two also, but my first one is Dolphins at Bills. Uh, yeah, that's my other one. Yeah, for everything we've talked about, the Dolphins they are the most exciting offense and team in general to watch in football right now. The Bills are an AFC East contender, a Super Bowl contender. These are the two best teams in the division. They'll both be playoff teams, I'm sure, if they stay healthy. So this is going to be an awesome litmus test for both. I don't know how you stop the Dolphins' offense, but if Josh Allen is playing at the top of his game, I don't know how you stop him either. So this is going to be a super exciting matchup. And it's it's CBS, so I think we're getting Harlan on the call, so it should be it should be a dope game with a lot of yelling at cool plays that happen. Yeah, I, I uh, they were my second team or second matchup. So I retweet everything you just said. The uh, I think this will be a it could be a key moment in deciding who really is the best quarterback in the AFC East. And it's good for the Dolphins that they're playing in Buffalo early. Mm-hmm. Do you have a second game or should I just go to mine because I stole yours? That was my second game. So, I, yeah. Uh, my my second is Steelers and Texans. Uh, let me quickly try to figure out where this one is. This one actually is in Houston at 1 p.m. This is everything we talked about with C.J. Stroud. He is one of the most exciting young players in the NFL to watch right now. I will be thrilled to watch him every time Red Zone cuts to the Texans games. I might even watch some standalone Texans games on screen like four or something just to just to keep an eye on him the Steelers coming off a big primetime win against Vegas a nasty defense it'll be a great test for the Texans and just because of the star the young star power they're becoming one of the more must-watch teams in the league so they're probably going to be on the look for matchups quite a bit over the next few weeks and it's a really good uh test for for a young seemingly star quarterback yeah, going up against TJ Watt is a big test for any player. I I think hopefully Laramie Tunsil's back for the Texans just to keep Stroud upright. I also think the Texans team's shown a lot more fight than anyone thought they would. So it's also a good test for Kenny Pickett. He's coming off one of his better games as a pro. We really still have no idea what he is or who he is as a quarterback. He's shown flashes, but he's also shown flashes of 
like major incompetence. And there's also major issues with their OC with Matt Canada and people like really don't like him and or think he's competent. So he bought himself a little bit of a reprieve with last night's performance. So it's a that's definitely a good matchup. I like that one, too. Sweet. Should be a good week. Yeah, I think so. Um, you want to go on to awards now? Yeah. You want to start it up? Yep. Dope. All right. So my first award is the Daphne Reed Award. Is that um, is that Daphne from whatchamacallit, Scooby-Doo? It's not. That's Daphne Blake. Oh, okay. I don't know. Who's Daphne Reed? Daphne Reed is the actress that played Vivian Banks for the final few seasons of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay. So the second Aunt Viv. Yes. Um, okay. So this is going to a player who what had a good performance but just isn't as good or as electric as their predecessor i like the logic but it's not going to a player and the the reasoning is is slightly different okay so just uh well, just lay it on me the reasoning okay. the guys there didn't get along with her so they brought someone new in and it somehow got worse not necessarily the chemistry but the results the first ant viv was way better the first Dan Viv was definitely better, but the, the chemistry on set was was better with the second one. Will Smith and the first Dan Viv were... At odds, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is... They brought in someone new, and it somehow got worse. Sean the Broncos and Sean Payton? Yes! Nice! Yes! Yeah. Well yeah, done. Right. Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton, results-wise, is the second Aunt Viv. Okay, that's good. I like that. Is that the one that you didn't want to forget? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. I'm a fan of that award. Thank you. All right, so I'll move on to mine. Mine is the movable object meets the stoppable force. Okay, I think I know who this is going to, and I'm going to go, what is Bears Broncos? Yes, yes. That is exactly who this is going to. This was going to be my second award, but it felt so fitting after your Sean Payton one. Yes, the movable object meets the stoppable force. Bears, Broncos this week. Two teams that have shown little to no signs of life. Should be a truly awful matchup. Hopefully full of memes or any sort of signs of life from either team. Either way, either it's got to be hilarious or we need to have some reason to believe in something. Otherwise, this matchup's just going to stink. Unless you like the color orange. That's true. If you're a big orange fan, like Syracuse, if you're a big Syracuse and Knicks fan, you might love this game. <laughs> it might be your Super Bowl. Yeah, Cuse, Mets, Knicks fan, you're going to be creaming yourself watching this. <laughs> All right, my second award is the Ryan Tannehill Award. This is going to, I mean, this could go a lot of ways. Is this going to... I, all right, let me ask first. Is this going to a player who changed positions? Yes. Okay, okay. A player who changed positions. Okay. It's not... Is it going to Ryan Tannehill before I... Oh, this come on, Ed. <laughs> you got to stop doing this to me. This is... Okay, it's going to Ryan Tannehill because when Ryan Tannehill was drafted into the NFL, he struggled and everyone was like, this guy looks like a wide receiver that converted to quarterback, which is what Ryan Tannehill is. Then he figured it out for a couple seasons, won a couple playoff games, 
got a huge deal, was the starter for a couple of years, now is back to the guy that is struggling because he looks like a wide receiver turned quarterback. So Ryan Tannehill has reverted back into Ryan Tannehill after blossoming into a beautiful butterfly. I'm bothered by this for a few reasons. Probably the foremost being that this is a ripoff of a joke that I made last episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you not only gave an award with the player's name in it, you stole it from me. <laughs> so, Perhaps. Yeah, so I'm upset with you for this award. In my defense, I'm sickly. Fine. That's the only... I'll, I'll give you a bit of an out, but that doesn't take away my disdain for you right now. <laughs> All right, I'll move on to my final award of the episode. It is the Bucks Before Brady Award. Is this going to the Tampa Bay Bucks? It is not. Okay, so it's going to a team that is going to be world-class in the future, but they're not there yet because they're a piece away. They're a quarterback away specifically. And it's not the Jets. Not the Knicks. No, it's a football team. Also, not necessarily world-class, just much, much, much better. Is this like going where the to, Jets? Yeah, go on. Is this going to the Atlanta Falcons? Yes, it is. It is going Let's to the Falcons. Go. Desmond Ritter is not good. He's not Zach Wilson bad, but he's not that much better. He's not the guy, and I think the Falcons have so much talent on both sides of the ball that they should realistically be a playoff team, especially in their division. And I know Taylor Heineke isn't very good either, but he can win some games. I think it's time to give him a look. It's Heineke season week four. Yeah, I think so. I think it's time. I I just I don't think Ritter's giving them the best chance to win. And they have enough talent there that they can. He's just pretty inept. And if their run game isn't working, which it wasn't last week, there's no threat to throw so their offense is just super stagnant I I think Heineke at least has the talent to to win them games similar to how he did with Washington I was wrong on Ritter I thought he could be pretty good he's not me too I thought he'd be more effective as a game manager at the very least but he's not done a good job of that at all especially with all the weapons that they have and plus I invested heavily in Drake London in fantasy and all of my feelings come back to fantasy pretty much so Do you think they have the best running back in the NFL? I do. The best running back in terms of, no, I don't know. I'd I'd say third. I'd still put him third. Behind McCaffrey? I'd put McCaffrey and Saquon over him. I think he's just, he he does Saquon, he reminds me so much of Saquon. I just, I I just, I don't think he's done enough yet to put him over that. But I, I do think he's solidly in third. I thought Saquon was the best back in the league when he came into the league. I I think Bijan's the best now, too. Oh, I don't know. I don't think – are you factoring in health? Is that why? Because he hasn't had any injury issues? Well, I'm not counting Chubb because he's hurt. No, I'm talking like McCaffrey because I think McCaffrey's pretty – like, I think he's unbelievable. He The way he runs the football is unreal. But they just – they're used in different ways. McCaffrey's, like, not as traditional as a running back as the way Bijan's used. He's not, but I mean, he's Bijan's not exactly being used as a traditional runner either. He's mostly a, know, a pass catching passion. back for the Falcons. But when he does, when he does run, the way he moves is pretty unique. 
I agree, but then that reminds me more of Saquon. Fair. So I, I just think he he does. I think he does a lot of similar things to the two of them. I think he's built from you know cut from the same cloth, does a lot of the same things. But I'm not ready to put him above them yet. All right, fair enough. Good awards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I liked one of yours. I liked one of yours a lot. I hated one of yours. So it cancels Good. out to be a a solid the Minnesota award Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Would you like to move on to bold prediction of the year of the week? Nice. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't know that. That was I didn't know that's where I was supposed to come in. I didn't know I was doing that either, but I just it felt right. Yeah, you threw your eyebrows at me, so that was when I knew. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll start it up. My bold prediction of the year of the week is Jordan Love is going to come out and beat the Lions this week on Thursday. Aaron Jones is coming back. Christian Watson's probably coming back. I think Bakhtiari might be back. I know he didn't look great and he missed a couple easy throws that I think were a little bit of confirmation bias for you because you're still not in on him. But I think he showed a lot in that fourth quarter about who he is. And I think given his star offensive tackle back, his star running back back, and his wide receiver one back, Plus, I think the Lions are a little bit banged up. I think that this could be an upset win for the Packers. And I think that Jordan Love is going to come out and justify the Packers' faith in him. You're right. It was a little confirmation bias. I felt pretty vindicated. Because I still think that if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt, the Packers lose that game by probably more than one score. I agree, but Derek Carr getting hurt didn't stop the Saints' defense from stopping him. Yeah, he pretty much put them all after that. Yeah, they did, but also Jaden Reed dropped two touchdown passes. That's true, but we'll see. I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I still don't think Jordan Love is that good. I'm not saying he's that good. I'm just saying I think he's better than you give him credit, and I think he's going to have a good week this week. And I think he'll, I think they'll come out with a win. And it's a bold prediction of the year of the week, so I'm entitled to my boldness. All right. Yeah. All right. True. Um. My bold prediction from last week almost hit. It was that Gardner Minshew would throw for 185 yards and two tu- and one touchdown, and the Colts would beat the Ravens. He threw for, I think, 215-ish, a touchdown, and they won. That was obviously – I had no inside information. Um, that was just a guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, oh, sorry, before you give yours, I was half right. I knew that the – Patriots defense would embarrass Zach Wilson. So I was right about that. I just was wrong about the timeline of bringing in a quarterback. You could not have predicted how stubborn the Jets would be with this. Yeah, I thought that they'd have figured out, like everyone else has, that this guy's a garbage man. Yeah, a waste man. Is that courtesy of Drake? Is it? I think so. That's the only time I ever heard someone called someone a waste man. We people in uh, on rugby, the rugby team I was on used to throw that around. That was a big one. I bet that's from Drake. Probably. I didn't know that, though. Mm. I've learned a lot this episode about myself, yeah. about life, about dark horses. Yeah, you know, it's, we got to learn. We got to learn something. Got to bring something new to the table. True. Uh, all right. My bold prediction of the year of the week is that the 23 game win streak of the Georgia Bulldogs will come to an end this week at Jordan Hare Stadium at the hands of Coach Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers, one of three Tigers in the SEC. The dogs are going down in Auburn. Okay. 
That is a bold prediction. Is Auburn so. any good? They're three and one, but no, they're not okay. that good. So this is just another statistical analysis via the gut. Gut check time. Yeah, Georgia's had flashes of weakness, so I, I, it's it's certainly a bold prediction, but I understand the that there's some basis behind it. I think the odds that Georgia goes undefeated are the lowest they've been in probably three years. Yeah, I mean they've. Yeah, I agree. They're not the powerhouse they were. Yeah. Not to say they're not going to win the whole damn thing, but... It'll be closer. Mm -hmm. Cool. Anything else? Or is that... Should we wrap things up? I think that's it. Good episode. Give me a little some of that. There we go. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you where you can find us. The most important part of the episode. So, we are on... I'm going to start differently this week. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music... Uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, X formerly no X formerly known as Twitter, Podbean, iHeartRadio podcasts, Podcast DB, Overcast. Yeah, still the same thing. No progress made. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. On yeah, it's the same every week. Same every week. Cool. All right, this was episode twenty three of the Breaksdown. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Rue. Shout out five two eight, Mikey Caps. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Good show. See you next week.